I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Home, home on the range. And it's feeling kind of cozy. It's high noon for Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. Or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct to shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 225th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You are always right about everything. And you're absolutely certain that's true because anyone who might tell you otherwise has been censored or removed from your lives. But that's impossible, you say. How could that be so when all of the things that I come out and declare are things that I have researched deeply on Google. I've Googled them all. I know these things are true because I have Googled. Do masks work, Google? Oh, yes, they do. Every single result Google gives me says that masks work. Did lockdowns work, Google? Oh, yes, they did. Here is a whole series of editorials from mainstream outlets trusted sources and some authoritative sources like the CDC and the WHO, who will occasionally say that lockdowns did work, except when they're saying lockdowns didn't work. But I don't have to see those articles. Was George Floyd a gentle giant and a fine upstanding citizen who was intentionally murdered because of racism? Google? Oh, he was. That's exactly what I thought. And now I have read 30 different articles to give me a very sophisticated view of mm, a sliver of the George Floyd story. Did Joe Biden get 81 million legal American votes? Google? Yes, he did. Saying otherwise is the big lie. And I know it's true because I Googled it and I looked at at least 50 articles that all said it is a big lie and a conspiracy theory to doubt that Joe Biden from his basement without campaigning and with no one having any 
real reason to support him, nonetheless got 81 million votes. And every single article I can find on Google says the same thing. And so if I have searched extensively for this answer to the question I've been posed, which contradicts my very, very well-conditioned, deeply indoctrinated worldview, then I can rest assured that I have done my due diligence and anyone arguing against me definitely has not. And therefore, this person is not only wrong and dumb, but they're uninformed and irresponsible. And truthfully, it's insulting that they've even wasted my time asking me these questions when they could have just Googled it for themselves. And this is honestly how we have to deal with all of the communists out there. They really believe that they have done research by returning to the same sources the same authors, finding them by using the same methods, always Google. They've got it all. Google, of course, is not a politically biased search engine. It is the biggest and best and most effective search engine. And the only reason you would even use another search engine besides Google is if you wanted to find the conspiracy theories. So you, as a very good communist, a very good repeater of the slogans, you would never think about changing search engines from Google. Why would you use the search engine that all the conspiracy theorists use? All the no-no people use other search engines. That's how they become no-no people. And I don't want to become a no-no person, so I'm not going to use the other search engines. And this is actually the mode of thinking that puts us in the position we are in. Okay, we talk about silos of information and uh, bubbles, and the communists imagine that the reason we disagree with them is because we have a bubble of information and it doesn't connect to the real world. Everything for them is exactly backwards. It's actually incredible. Like the 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 two worlds that we have right now that are kind of operating at the same time in the same space, they could not be more diametrically opposed than they are now. I mean, I guess that they could and they probably will be tomorrow, but I'm saying maybe that they never have been before. We are operating in a world where that entire side is exactly wrong about everything. It's not like they're just a little off and we're a little off and there's some objective truth that our uh, individual biases are preventing us from reaching. That's not the scenario we have right now. We have this very tiny and shrinking portion of Biden voters in this country who are real, you know, stick to their guns communists and uh, very, very dyed in the wool communists. They are completely wrong in like an opposite fashion. I don't mean not at all right. 
I mean that they are exactly the opposite of right. It is stunning. And we talk a lot about how the media influences this. And certainly they do. And certainly the social media companies are the same thing. But even the most like wannabe responsible commies. When they have doubts that the thing the television tells them is correct. The responsible part of them goes to Google and is like, well, I'm going to I'm going to find out the truth of this. And honestly, 10 years ago, that used to be a pretty good method. But it's not now because Google might as well be called only wrong dot com. I mean, if you go search for something of any importance in Google. You will be given a series of links that lead you to only wrong answers. It is impossible to figure out what's actually happening in the world right now by going to Google. And I talk about this a lot in the context of the social media companies. It's the same throughout tech, though. Google's algorithms are set up to achieve particular goals for Google. And those goals have now merged with uniparty politics. So everything that you find by searching Google is going to lead you to the information that will ultimately support the goals of the uniparty. So even the communists out there who want to be the most informed and the most responsible about what they're saying, they still are in this Google paradigm and searching Google rather than another search engine is a habit for them. They wouldn't even think, oh, maybe I should use DuckDuckGo or maybe I should use Quant. They just use Google. They get the results that Google gives them. And then after sifting through however many of those results, three or five or 10 or 30, it doesn't matter. They're going to end up right back where they started. It's like they're walking around in a desert of information without a compass. They have no idea what direction they're going. There is no true north. Because it's all, it just all looks the same. It's just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And there's no, there's no difference. Nothing pops up that makes them think, oh, maybe I'm wrong about this. Every single link is just a different version of, oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. And how are you supposed to form new ideas that way? How are you supposed to consider whether your own ideas are actually true that way? How are you supposed to learn anything that way? And of course they don't. It's impossible to. Google is returning the results that help Google and the Uniparty achieve their goals. And the craziest part is that these very people will make this argument all the time they know it is a fact that they are being manipulated by big tech but 
they think that they have it all solved, that the knowledge of the manipulation is what gets them out of the manipulation. That's not true at all. They'll acknowledge that the search engine is going to return results to them algorithmically and based on their individual search history and personal characteristics, demographic characteristics, whatever they're able to pull in from the social media apps or any other platforms that you sign into through Google, Google is going to return results based on all of that. The algorithm will do that automatically before you can blink. And so they recognize that that happens, but they think, well, you know, if I'm really meticulous about how I use this instrument, then I will be able to get good results for myself. I am going to understand the limitations of this technology and how this technology might be trying to manipulate me. But the fact that I know that is going to lead me to operate in such a way that it doesn't affect me. And that's the mistake for these commies. They feel this about all of the tech platforms, by the way. I'm just using Google as an example right now because this is the one, I think, out of all of them that they just really don't get. You know, there's a lot of people who are on our side and our team who are actually in this fight on some level who still use Google and they'll say, Hey, can you Google that? Or like, look this up on Google, return search results from Google. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you using Google? You might as well just search for that thing on dailybeast.com and see what the daily beast people have to say about it. You're going to use Google and get the daily beasts opinion and Yahoo News and Business Insider and The Atlantic and WAPO and New York Times and LA Times. Oh, you're going to get that variety. Oh, the Wall Street Journal. Yes. Oh, throw the conservative one in it, too. What a variety. I bet you're going to get a total diversity of opinion by doing that. Everything that Google's algorithm wants you to read is a publishing decision by Google made intentionally for the purpose of manipulating you to help achieve their goals and the goals of the Uniparty, which are almost all the time working in concert. Same thing with Apple News, which I've talked about a million times. You can read one article from the Wall Street Journal, and one article from the Atlantic, and one article from the Daily Beast, all because they get filtered up to you and you get notifications on your phone. You don't have your notifications turned off. So Apple News just pops up, whatever they want you to read next. And you read it. And you think that you're getting a very diverse view of the news. Oh, I read multiple sources. Oh, you do? Oh, that's interesting. It's all the sources they tell you to read, of course, and all the articles that they tell you to read, of course, <laughs> but they're all different sources. So don't worry. Same thing with Google, right? Yes, Google is going to redirect you to 30 different websites. You're not getting Google News, technically speaking, but you are getting the news that Google chooses to show you. So what is the difference? And 
when we say to someone, hey, maybe you should look this up, like maybe you should look more into this. If you don't follow that by saying on Quant or on DuckDuckGo or on any non-Google search engine, well, you've just given them instructions on how to dig themselves deeper into their problem, right? Google is essentially onlywrongansers.com, all right? Why would you search for information on a website called onlywrongansers.com? You're going to type your little search terms into the browser and press, I'm feeling lucky. And you're going to get a series of only wrong answers. It is absolutely pointless to suggest to someone that they research something on Google, all right? And we need to get really, really clear about this and make it a habit for when we communicate to other people. And certainly, if you're still using Google yourself, you got to stop. I mean, what are you doing? And just to be clear, I'm not saying I'm always right because I don't search on Google and you're always wrong because you do search on Google. I'm saying that I know the best version of the arguments on all the sides because I don't search on Google and you are always wrong because you do search on Google. That's what I'm saying. A lot of these issues are really complicated and really complex and take a whole lot of background knowledge and a whole lot of knowledge about what's going on in the moment. And then you still have to make some assumptions and use your best discernment to have a good idea of what's going on or understand which two or three options might be probable. This is not about having confirmed knowledge that you can say 100% you're right. That's not the information environment we live in anymore. And the truth is, it's not an information environment we ever lived in, even though people still imagine it is. Like, oh, this person's on our team. This is a good person. This is a bad person. We can trust this person. We can't trust that person. Everything is always into teams. Or the New York Times is a very authoritative source. Whereas Breitbart, well, they're biased. Okay, Kami, everybody's biased. The point is you have to try to figure out what the different sides are and then use your best judgment. You don't just get to turn your brain off and be like, whatever the Atlantic says is true. The Atlantic is a trash website. The Atlantic used to be a website of brilliant writers. It's not anymore. It's not even close to that. It is one of the worst and trashiest websites on the internet. Yes, they talk about smart people things. And yes, they have people that went to smart people schools and they write in a way that shows they are well enough educated to write that way. But none of those things actually make them right or actually smart. If they were smart, they wouldn't have published articles like Amanda Mull's piece from last May, where she said Georgia was doing an experiment in human sacrifice for reopening their economy after being locked down for three weeks. An experiment in human sacrifice. That's what the very smart people think. 
And of course, all of this is madness. And it actually does matter for the good of you personally and your life and the lives of the people around you that you take the time to try to find out whether or not the things you're told are right. Because we are now 18 months into this pandemic period. And nearly all the problems we have experienced over that time are due to people getting their information from the television and only finding out if it's true by using Google. They have made it impossible for their own minds to be expanded even while they believe they are enacting the process by which their minds could be expanded. And I'm saying all this because I actually do wonder how many people out there had reality kind of walk up to them and slap them in the face as so many of us have. And how many of those people saw that reality and went to find out what was true on Google and then just doubled back down into the madness of the opposite world. How many people out there has big tech put back to sleep? Because people aren't realizing the effect that these algorithms have, especially with repeated use and repeating this process of discovery over and over and over again, believing that you have actually engaged a process of discovery where you have only engaged a process of confirmation. How many people has big tech put back to sleep? And how many of those people has big tech just simply made angrier? and more vicious and more extreme. And that number is very, very high. Ultimately, it has to be that reality. You have to see it and experience it in your own life till you're at the point where you're like, okay, yeah, I can't do this anymore. This is just all wrong. It's all wrong. Everything I believe, everything I know, all of it's wrong. I went through that process. I mean, my process started... In 2016, as soon as Trump won, I was like, wait a second. This is not what I was told. I got to figure all this out. And a lot of people's processes started since COVID. I mean, my process really took off at the beginning of COVID. Now that I finally had this time to sit back and be home and think about these issues and be like, hey, the stuff I'm being told on television is just not right. I mean, I'm reading about this stuff all day trying to figure out what the truth is. And the television isn't mirroring that at all. The television is just telling me that I should be scared about something that has this really low infection fatality rate, like lower than the flu, and it doesn't hurt kids. But I should be really, really scared of this. And when two weeks turns into two months and the industry that I worked in, the career that I built for 15 years just now no longer exists. Well, that was enough reality for me. That was enough reality for me to look at the situation and be like, you know what? These people actually don't care at all whether or not we go back to normal life. They don't care about our businesses. They don't care about the education of the children in this country. They don't actually even care about health care or they wouldn't have shut down 
elective surgeries. They wouldn't have made it so that people were missing their cancer screenings. So what is it they care about? They're not trying to save lives and they're not trying to get us out of this pandemic. How much more reality do you need? Right. Early on. By the end of March, middle of April last year, within weeks of this whole process beginning, I was like, nope, I'm out. This is it. These people don't care about it all, us at all. They're lying. And when you realize that, then you start seeing how many more lies are built up to support the central lies. And then you see that they're doing it with all the narratives, the guns, the climate change, the racism. Those are all CDC issues now. CDC has declared all of those public health crises. And since the feckless and illegitimate government can't pass any policies to handle these pretend problems, then they get shifted off to the CDC and the CDC has no authority whatsoever until we all pretend it does. And that's what we've done for the last year and a half. The CDC gets to decide whether or not your kids have to wear masks that we know the public health community says in peer reviewed journals and studies and no peer reviewed journals and studies contradict these, by the way, that the masks don't do anything and in fact are harmful. But the CDC says it, so you have to do it. I realized all that and I got sick of it. And so many other people have as well. And it's so confusing that people still have not reached that point yet. But then again, that's what privilege is, right? The most important issues of your life, the most important decisions of your life, it doesn't matter what you do, what you decide. Nothing's going to change. You're going to be comfortable. Nothing can take you out of your comfortable position in society. You're just there. You got enough money. You don't really need to leave the house. You can send the kids to private school. Most of the connection and satisfaction you get in life comes from being online, being on social media, getting that attention. So you never have to leave. That's privilege. But if you're one of the people who has embraced the fact that reality is showing you something entirely different than what's on the television, then go ahead and migrate back to America and join us. All you have to do is leave all of the stupid and evil communist ideas that you assured yourself were true on Google behind. Migrate back. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Thursday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies! Welcome to the show. Stick around, commie. I know you can do it. If you do it, I will make you American again in two weeks or less. I promise. For a couple days, you will think I'm crazy and stupid. Then for a couple more days, you will be really angry at me. And then after that, you will be really angry at Google and the social media companies 
and all of those terrible communists you still keep around you who act as nothing more than proxy thought police for this awful, evil communist state that you have helped support for this hate movement that you have inadvertently joined. And I know sounds extreme. That's fine. It is what it is. You inadvertently joined a hate movement. You walked yourself directly into a hate movement and you didn't realize it because it was presented to you so stylishly. All of the celebrities are in the hate movement. So how can it be a hate movement? They're all the rich and the famous and the beautiful and the smart and the creative and the talented. They couldn't possibly be in a hate movement. Those Nazis, they didn't make propaganda films. They didn't make stars out of the lead actors in the propaganda films. That didn't happen, Kami. Don't worry. But after that anger goes away, then you'll be like, wait a second. I have to do something about this. And then you will try to find your own redeemable communists out in the world and try to bring them back to America. And that's all we want. That is just the right thing to do, Kami. You just make your amends with all those people you were really awful to. And then you try to go out and redeem some communists. Simple. Now, it is so difficult for someone who is still a communist at this point to get through a segment like I'm about to play for you and be able to figure out how to get themselves out of this thing the media does over and over and over and over, right? And even a bunch of redeemable communists out there are probably still at the point where they're like, yeah, you know, that January 6th thing, that was really messed up. I mean, I'm against vaccine mandates. And like, yeah, I can see that uh, Joe Biden is just not fit for being president. And okay, maybe it's true that there was some election fraud somewhere. But that January 6th stuff, I just don't want to associate with that at all. That's just like those those Trump supporters, man. That's what they do. They're violent. They just go out there and they do violence. <laughs> Listen to this, commies. I would imagine there are, most people watching this would not have known about any of uh, anything on September 18th. But there are calls um, amongst extremist circles to join a rally to stand up for the rights of the people who have been charged as a result of their participation on the January 6th uh, uh, riot. What, what's your take on, on what is going to happen on September 18th and, and what we should do about it? Now, that is MSNBC's Ali Velshi. OK, and he's got a bunch of tells in all of that nonsense. He just said he basically just said no one. No one in the audience would know about this, this September 18th thing. And he's basically telling everyone in the audience, hey, obviously you don't run in these uh, right wing extremist circles. You guys are all good people. You would never associate with these people and you're not in their, you know, Internet neighborhood. So you don't know that there's this thing coming on September 18th. The implication there, of course, is that everyone on the other side actually does know about September 18th and that September 18th is this big event 
that everyone's preparing for. It's going to be the next uh, very violent insurrection. Now, what we have are calls by extremist groups for people to join a rally on September 18th. And that rally, of course, would turn violent and they would send counter protesters. They would also, of course, send Antifa and the FBI and their little agents and informants and plants. And they would dress them all up like Trump supporters and stage another very violent insurrection. But one would think that if events like this were taking place and they were coming up, People like me would know about them, right? I mean, I feel like I have a an eye on the important parts, the important factions of the anti-communist movement in America and the anti-uniparty movement, the America First movement, however you want to describe it. I feel like I have my finger on the pulse in some way. You know, I follow kind of the mainstream people. I follow kind of the the war room crowd and that viewpoint. I follow the Q crowd and the Anon viewpoint. I know where I, I, I think there's value in trying to figure out where all of those different viewpoints are coming from and where they converge. And I can say conclusively I have never seen one single thing anywhere about anything happening on September 18th, September 18th. I mean, if they said September 11th, I could be like, all right, okay. Yeah, I can see somebody's going to go out and do something. It's going to be the celebration. And they're going to take advantage of it. Okay. That would at least make sense. September 18th is just out of nowhere. So Ali Velshi's right. Literally nobody besides Ali Velshi has heard of that, except, of course, for the guy he's talking to. Frank Filiuzzi, I think is how you say his name, or at least that's how it should be pronounced in Italian. But or Frank Filiuzzi, Frank Filiuzzi, I think it would be how it is. Anyway, doesn't matter. Virtually no one else in the world knows of anything that is supposed to be happening on September 18th. I am on this stuff from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep and never, not once, have I ever seen anything about September 18th. Well, my contacts in federal law enforcement, Allie, uh, tell me that they are all over this. This has certainly got their attention um, in large part because the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers reportedly are expressing interest in showing up. Ah, so his contacts in federal law enforcement, they are all over this, all over this. No one who is in the actual America First movement or any of the other kind of groups that people might represent ideologically surrounding the America First movement. None of them know anything about this, but federal law enforcement is all over it. And why? Well, because the groups who have expressed interest in showing up to this are the groups run by his contacts in federal law enforcement. The FBI has agents and informants in the Proud Boys, 
in the Oath Keepers. And what's the other one? The three percenters. Isn't it amazing that every time they try to stage one of these events, it's always the same people doing it. It's no one in the grassroots, no one setting it up for real. But it's always the groups that are very closely associated with the FBI. They might as well just announce false flag planned. That's like the state media version of breaking the fourth wall, like in a TV show or a movie. You like stare directly at the camera. Oh, my God. He's talking to me now. Before, I was just watching these actors in the in the play that they're performing. But now he's talking directly to me, the audience. Ali Velshi's just basically like, hey, Kami, September 18th, pay attention. We're going to give you a show. And you're going to feel so mad and so self-righteous. You'll love it. This has re- uh, uh, this rally has obtained a permit. Um, the numbers are expected to be large. Oh, no. A permit? Expected large numbers? <laughs> that is horrifying. Uh, FBI, DHS, Capitol Police, Washington Metropolitan Police, all making arrangements, including some police departments uh, not allowing any leave, uh, calling in all officers for the day. You mentioned the discussion of putting the fence. Uh, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. We need an excuse to get the fence back up and bring 25,000 National Guardsmen back to guard the Capitol. And why would they want that? Honestly, I mean, they know that January 6th was not a very violent insurrection by Trump supporters. They know that, okay? The commies in the country don't know that. Because the commies in the country, especially the ones who are still committed communists right now, are among the stupidest people on the face of the earth. And they have no clue that the January 6th story is completely wrong. But every politician in Washington knows it. Certainly all of the people who would be responsible for the Capitol Police, as you heard him say, or the FBI, as you heard him say, or the National Guard troops that would be called in to guard Washington again. All those people know the truth about January 6th, and that's why they're hiding everything. That's why they want the communications companies to preserve all the records of these people's communications while they themselves hide the 14,000 hours of security footage from January 6th that would actually free some of those political prisoners that they've discussed. So they are not confused about the threat to their safety at the Capitol. There is no threat to their safety at the Capitol. There's no one on our side that is interested in violence at the Capitol or otherwise. So why do they want all of those troops back in Washington, D.C.? Why do they want those fences up? What are they scared of? They have the most popular president of all time. He had 81 million votes. Barack Obama's highest was 69 million. This is nearly 20% more than that. Joe Biden in 2020 
was 20% more popular than Barack Obama in 2008. So what are they worried about? The Democrats are in charge. They're just trying to protect everyone's right to vote. They're trying to make sure that there is no racism on the southern border. They're trying to make sure that there's no war anywhere. Even if China is totally benefited by it. They're trying to save the environment and they're trying to give people money. Why would anyone be mad at them? They are the most popular party ever in existence, and they've done absolutely everything they've wanted to do this entire time. Every one of their voters is so happy. MSNBC, fully supportive. The entire media supports them. So what are they worried about? Why do they want these troops back in? Why do they want the fencing up? Man, it's a mystery. Back up. Here's what's energized um, some of the potentially bad or violent actors here. This sense that January 6th was all about patriotism, um, was all about writing the, the big lie that, that the election was stolen. And so they view, for example, Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was killed by Capitol Police Lieutenant Byrd, um, as a martyr for the cause. They talk about this incess incessantly. And the notion that everyone imprisoned or charged for their participation in January 6th is somehow a political prisoner. You saw even Madison Cawthorn, congressman, actually refer to them as political hostages. We've got to bust them out, he said. Um, those are the kinds of people that are worrying the police and law enforcement as they make plans to show up. So just masterful propaganda. He actually takes a real set of facts. The people from January 6th who are imprisoned are political prisoners. There's no question about that whatsoever. It is obvious they are political prisoners. Their rights, their rights under the Constitution have been taken away from them. They are not allowed to defend themselves. They are not allowed to access exculpatory evidence that the government absolutely has. They're being accused of sedition and treason and insurrection, even though none of them have been charged with anything approaching that. And Ashley Babbitt was an unarmed veteran climbing through a door and was shot at point blank range by Michael Byrd, who is an unaccountable member of the Capitol Police. They are all unaccountable. They are not subject to FOIA. He has had his own issues with his own firearm that he left abandoned in a bathroom at the Capitol. That guy. And for no reason, without warning, he shot Ashley Babbitt. And you can see within 10 seconds, three men dressed as police officers walked away from Ashley Babbitt casually, just walked away. They were right behind her within 10 feet, and they just walked away down the steps. That's how not worried they were about the situation. And then out of nowhere, Michael Byrd points his gun and then fires at Ashley Babbitt, causing her to fall back. And now she's dead. And no, Frank, we don't think she's a martyr. We think she was murdered. 
which is obvious. And the fact that you idiots pretend that George Floyd was murdered when he died of a fentanyl overdose and that Ashley Babbitt is a domestic terrorist. That's the part we don't like. The part where you guys are saying she deserved to die because you don't agree with her politics. That's the part we don't like. And there's a better than 50-50 chance that no one will even believe the big lie the way Frank describes it by the time September 18th rolls around. There's a very good chance that within the next 16 days, we're going to get the Arizona audit report. We could get it any day. It's obviously being held back for strategic reasons, it seems to me. I would not be at all surprised if that audit report is delayed until after they decide what to do with Biden's presidency, how they can possibly get him out of that role and figure out the next move, because they know that that story taking Biden out of the office is going to be something that actually dominates news cycles. They're going to be able to take all the oxygen out of the room for a week or so with that. Most likely it's more effective than storms, than Afghanistan, than false flags, whatever it is they want to do. That would be the big story. And so I imagine that they will want these kinds of big stories running whenever the Arizona audit report comes out. But if they already have to do the Biden thing before then, because Arizona keeps delaying and throwing their schedule off, well, they're going to be screwed because how much longer can they stick with Biden? Honestly. And I know that this is a thought experiment. This is speculation. Settle down. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not telling you dates when things will happen. This is just a thought that I have had. If you like the thought, then you can think about it. If you don't like the thought, then don't think about it. And if it makes you very, very mad that I expressed the thought, then don't listen to the show anymore. I'm going to be just fine either way. But it's pretty clear that every single day Joe Biden continues pretending to be president. This administration and that party look worse and worse and worse. They are running out of time to get rid of Joe Biden before the entire thing is just totally exposed for what it is. We went through the polls yesterday. Three in 10, four in 10 Democrats think that he should resign or be impeached. According to the poll, that's what they're willing to tell pollsters. Imagine what they really think. So what are we talking about? Four in 10, five in 10. Do half of Democrats, half of real Democrats somewhere around there think that Joe Biden should resign or be impeached? Yeah, kind of looks like it, doesn't it? Over half the country thinks he should resign. And the Democrat Communist Party is just going to continue to bleed out whatever remaining political capital they have left, leaving this guy in office. I don't know. How long can you do that? Another week, another two weeks, another three weeks. I don't know. But I said this a long time ago, and I still think it now. What we're witnessing is our side as a cat and their side as a mouse that's been caught. And I don't know if you've ever seen a cat kill a mouse. But when I was growing up, we had a bunch of we had we had cats. We lived out in the country 
And so there were always like little rodents there. We lived in an old house, you know, so sometimes the rodents even get inside. But the cows would spend most of their time outside and they would spend a lot of that time hunting. And when they would catch something, they would bring it back to the house half alive, bring it back in their teeth, and they would start throwing it up in the air and batting it around letting it run away a little bit, thinking it might get away, and then they would go back and grab it and catch it, tear it apart some more, toss it back in the air, bat it around. Vicious, right? There was no point at any time there where it would be likely that the mouse would get away. It was impossible. The cat knew what it was doing, and it would always kill the mouse and then eat the mouse, of course. That's what's happening right now. That's why they're flipping out constantly. That's why they're doing these obviously like nonsense segments on MSNBC. I mean, who believes this? You're watching them set up a narrative about something that likely will never happen. And if they actually have the balls to try this, whoa, that thing is going to go down in flames. No one is going to believe this. No one believes any of this nonsense anymore. We've already seen all of these these plays as they've been rehearsed and performed before. This isn't new. And all of the justifications have vanished too. All the violence is racism. All the storms are climate change. Whenever they need to disrupt supply lines or communication lines, oh, well, that's a cyber attack. When they need to restrict our communication when they need to invade our privacy rights or when they need to set up fencing around the Capitol. Oh, well, that's domestic terrorism. That's white supremacy extremism. Give me a break. Um, the preparations are going to be there. The security will be tight. One of the concerns I have is will the security be, be so tight that there will be soft targets perceived around the rest of the country where some violence could play out? And now he has upped the ante. Now they need to make Washington, D.C. so safe that every other place is vulnerable. So now anything that happens that day counts. Oh, look, it's a very violent insurrection that the FBI staged in Des Moines, Iowa. Man, we protected the Capitol just as... All of our intel said, but we just missed that Des Moines, Iowa thing. And then three weeks later, you find out the FBI had all sorts of warnings about Des Moines, Iowa. And then two months after that, you find out that the FBI did the whole thing. That's where we are right now. But the the story that he has just laid out has a bunch of different varieties, and he just set up all of them. Now everybody's mind reverts to the same exact thing. Oh, white supremacist violence on September 18th. Better watch out. They're so dangerous. That's why DHS last Friday reportedly briefed, telephonically briefed uh, law enforcement uh, executives across the country regarding what they're seeing. Telephonically. (laughs) They had a telephonic briefing. Isn't that amazing? What is this guy talking about? He wants to be the go-to expert. That's obvious. And MSNBC considers him the go-to expert. It is incredible that these mainstream cable networks actually will put on 
people in the FBI and the CIA all the time. They employ them full time. They pay John Brennan. They pay this guy to come on here and talk about this. And they present him as an expert. He's really just giving the corruption viewpoint. Like, hey, what is the uh, what is the corrupt part of the FBI think about this? I guess we get we better get a uh, Frank Filiuzzi. <laughs> now I can just pronounce it on the fly. And by the way, if he pronounces it a different way, he's wrong. But that's what they're doing. They're getting people in there to disseminate the false position of the federal law enforcement agency's corrupt wing. That's what Frank Filiuzzi is there for. This is how you set up a false flag. This is how you set up a national narrative. Thank goodness the bulk of the country is awake to what this is now. Because if everybody can see it when it's coming, if everybody knows what to expect and what this is, and we all talk about it and we spread this information around, well, then they're not actually able to pull it off and have the effect they want. You know, January 6th was, I imagine, to a lot of people, very effective because the narrative was everywhere. And people really did believe it. And people really still do believe it and will argue for it. But it's totally inaccurate, and we all know that now. If it worked how they wanted it to work, they would have gotten more out of it. They would have gotten all the things they wanted out of it. They would have silenced everybody talking about the big lie, right? Again, their cover-ups aren't working because we are in control of the narrative. They control the narrative at the beginning, and then we bash that down into a thousand little pieces within 24 hours or 48 or 72. But it usually doesn't last. Nothing they do pretty much lasts longer than a few days. I mean, many of us on January 6th were like, yeah, this doesn't look right. <laughs> and we didn't even have the same level of warning, you know, because some of it was based on the fact that Donald Trump really did ask people to go to that rally. That really happened. Now, this September 18th thing, no one is telling anybody to go anywhere on September 18th. No one's going to believe this. But nonetheless, we still have to go through it because the media wants it. They want us to be at a point where we will believe this. So when they stage it, eh, I guess someone will believe it. Now, before I go, I want to share this idea that I've thought about for a little while, and I would love anybody's feedback about whether or not they think this is a good idea. Um, you know how they have like all the different state audit uh, channels on Telegram and all that, and then all you know, all the state groups are kind of working individually to make sure that there are forensic audits in all 50 states. I think that's awesome, and that communication thing is a great way to do it. Um, I've been thinking about this in terms of how we're getting information out there and how so much of it is focused on national news, but we still get these little local stories. What I want to do is figure out a way that we're actually having people read the local papers all around the country. And then finding all those really important stories 
in the local news and getting those out there. Cause I don't think that that's really happening right now. Like we'll catch them here and there because someone got a notification and then they sent it out and then someone else was shocked. And now we all know it. And that's good. I mean, that process definitely works, but if we made that process intentional, I think that that would be an unbelievable way to track all this stuff. You know, you have, the John Fred, the news outlets that John Frederick's associated with, like the Georgia Star, and I think the other one is called the Tennessee Star, and they've done good work on some of the local Georgia election stuff and bringing that stuff up to the surface. And it's great that we have outlets that are specifically trying to get those stories and find them and push them out. But the truth is, man, we got a lot of problems being caused by local news the same way that CNN and MSNBC are causing problems at the national level, same way Washington Post and the New York Times are causing problems at the national level. And we're missing a lot of that local stuff. You know, these local papers, that stuff gets out there and people see that they're informed by their local news. We're missing all of that. So I don't know if I'm the one to do it, Maybe I'm just an idea guy. I'm going to try to figure out a means on how to get this thing done. But if this idea is inspiring to anyone, please let me know. And maybe we'll brainstorm some ways that this could happen. But there are so many local papers around the country and none of the stuff in there ever actually gets scrutinized in any important way. And one of the biggest problems that we have is that so many people on our side of things and by our side, I simply only mean people who care about actual truth. One of the biggest problems was we kind of just went to sleep on the whole thing. You know, we see people now going and being active in their communities, being active at their school board meetings. That's where the differences are made. And it's awesome. I mean, what we got to see just in the school board responses last night, to that communist teacher in Sacramento that Project Veritas exposed, that stuff is awesome. Those The members of that community went in and ripped their school board apart. And that school board is screwed because there's no way they didn't know. And if they somehow there is a way and they actually didn't know, then that's a different kind of malfeasance from that school board as well. They need to be gone, all of them. It is absolutely insane that a dyed-in-the-wool communist like that is actually able to take an AP government class and rather than teach about American government, instead make it revolutionary activism for filthy communists. That's what happened. And that whole community has a, a right to be as mad as they are, but the idea that that's happening at one school... No way. That's everywhere. I mean, that guy is actually encouraging high school seniors to attend protests. Are those kids not going to go break a window or throw a brick or light something on fire when their teacher tells them to? Of course they are. They're kids. And they're being told that they are destroying cultural evil by actually enacting cultural evil because their teacher is a militant communist. We got to get on that stuff locally. And I'm not saying everybody but me has to do it. I'm proposing this information stream 
as a way to help head that stuff off at the pass, because all that stuff's going to be covered different locally than it is nationally. And most of it is not going to be covered nationally at all. And if we have these little cells of people who are watching their local media and communicating that out, then we have a whole new check on the information environment in these communities. And I think that, that would make a big difference. Like I said, this idea is in its infancy and I'm more than happy for anyone to contribute to it. Anyway, I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!